Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and it is National Women's Health Week. Today on the show, we're going to discuss some issues that young women face. Our guests today to guide us on this discussion are Dr. Kelly Lynch and Dr. Patricia Bailey-Cernelli. Dr. Lynch is Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at UMass Memorial Medical School and is Bay State Medical Director in Vitro Fertilization and Donor Egg Programs at Bay State Reproductive Medicine. Dr. Bailey Sarnelli is an Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at University of Massachusetts Medical School, Bay State, and Adjunct Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Tufts University School of Medicine. Thank you both for being able to be with us on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Nice to be here. I want to open with a general question for you both. Are reproductive health issues that adolescents possibly face often overlooked by parents? I think that's very true. I think it's often something that parents either are reluctant to address or don't know how to get the conversation started and tend to overlook it and maybe assume that, well, your doctor will talk to you about these issues, so I'm not going to talk to you about these issues, which leaves this, this void for the child. They really do need their parent to talk to them about, about reproductive health issues, definitely. There's lots of data to show that parents who have regular conversations with their children about reproductive issues, those kids tend to make better decisions about sexuality, when to begin sexuality, when to use contraception, all of those issues. And one of the most important things is kids who talk to their parents. It cuts across all socioeconomic boundaries. So it really is important. Right. I do think parents, some parents just have a tendency to wait until something becomes a problem before they really address it and hope they don't have to talk about it. Um, It really is never too soon to start talking to your child about reproductive health. I think it can be introduced even at an early age just by sharing your own experience with a child and obviously small amounts and age-appropriate But, you know, even kids that are preschoolers can learn a little bit about the fact that their mom has periods, for example. And then it's not so shocking when they become an adolescent themselves and are faced with their first period. I want to ask, too, because we're we're talking about, and I use the word adolescent here, is there a specific age group that fits here? That was interesting, Dr. Lynch, that you mentioned that, you know, you can start very young, you know, mentioning things. Is is there a specific target age here we're looking for? Not, not really. Um, you can start talking to kids at very early ages because they will ask questions. And so the more you leave those, you know, answer those questions and are open to those discussions. And for little kids, it's things like, you know, how come I have a penis and my baby sister doesn't have a penis? That kind of stuff. And you can have a very basic conversation about, about gender differences and things of that nature. And then as ch- children mature, you expand those conversations as questions come up. I always say it's never too early to have these conversations and it's never too late. But the idea that you're going to have the talk, it's, it's not the talk. It's a series of conversations that you have while they're growing up. It's, for one thing, if you try to have the talk, they get information overload and then they don't know what you're talking about. So you're better off to do little, little discussions along the way. Right. Right. And answer their questions as frankly and openly as possible and try to treat, you know, a menstruation, for example, just a normal bodily function and nothing to be ashamed of. I, you know, I 
kind of remember my own mom was not exactly willing to talk about it very much. And I think that might represent some of her upbringing, but, you know, explaining to kids like, yes, mom has some bleeding every month, but no, it doesn't hurt her. And it's so that, so she can have a baby, you know, and these are, this is just being very matter of fact about it can help younger children sort of accept that this is something that happens to adults and eventually they will have this too. Have you looked at ASRM member benefits lately? ASRM is consistently adding value for physicians and other professionals in the field of reproductive medicine. Boost your career with access to ASRM's cutting edge journals, free continuing education credits, access to ASRM QBOOS, discounts on the annual Congress, and so much more. To learn more about the benefits of ASRM membership, visit www.asrm.org. So speaking of the talk, it is 2021 and there are so many outlets of information and misinformation that are overwhelming. You know, what what obstacles are you seeing that parents face in talking about sex and menstruation and STIs and the like? I think still parents have their own um, their own sense of reticence about having these discussions. Um, they're tough discussions to have with your kids. Your kids will roll their eyes and say things like, oh, this is some conversation. And, you know, <laughs> and you're like, you're trying so hard. So I think, I think part of it is embarrassment. Part of it is not feeling really cons- sure about the information they're going to give them. I mean, they may have picked up misinformation along the way and just not be really sure of, of how to impart that information. So I think, I think those are a lot of things that make parents kind of reticent. They don't want to give their kids bad information, but they also get squeamish about giving information at all. I think the other issue, too, is that kids can get information from so many places now. If they have a cell phone, unfortunately, they often have wide access to lots and lots of information. And it can be hard to make sure that they're getting good information. So it's so important to just talk to them about what are they reading? What are they seeing? What do they think about this? Do you have any questions? Hey, let's talk about that, you know, and rather than, you know, I think accusing them or or sort or um, trying to overwhelm them, it's really just say, hey, what questions do you have? I'm sure you're seeing a lot of information. You must wonder what's really going on. Because I think we just have to accept our kids are much more connected to the internet and, you know, to lots and lots of information than we ever were. Um, and so it's just, a, it's a fact of life. Oh, absolutely. That's so true. They, they already know so much. And, and I think that's part of the thing you can start out with. What do you think about this? What do you know? You know, what, what do you know about this issue? You can also use things like when you're watching a TV program or something like that, and you just say, okay, if you were with somebody and they did that, what, what do you think? How, what do you think about that relationship? You know, not in any kind of pejorative measure, but just, just what's your opinion of that? You know, and, um, and sometimes that can get a conversational ball rolling about, about issues of consent and, and issues of sexuality, things like that. So I think you have to look for your opportunities. I think that's the thing parents don't do is they don't look for those opportunities. They don't see them in, until it's way too late. So. That's an excellent point. I think one of the few activities that we can do together is yeah, maybe watch some of these shows together and talk about them afterwards and try to find something that you can mutually agree on. But it's a great opportunity to bring up these topics. And I think consent is one of the most important things that we can talk to our kids about. 
media, it seems, is, plays sort of a devil's advocate these days based on the the types of programs that are available and that you, you can have these wonderful sort of bonding, you know, you know, moments with your children around these shows that have difficult subject matter, but yet at the same time, you're also again combating, you know, all these social media outlets and, and, and whatnot that are sort of bringing in sort of all this, this misinformation. I want to ask you both about definitions. What is the difference between normal and abnormal puberty? Is there some sort of brief example that is used to help explain to parents the difference? Well, the usual sequence of events, there's a very common misperception among parents that getting your period is the beginning of puberty. Actually, getting your period is the end of puberty. Puberty starts, first of all, usually, the vast majority of times, with breast development and then um, um, axillary hair or hair under the arms, pubic hair, and um, growth spurt. The next thing is a growth spurt. And then the last thing that happens is the period. So that's kind of the usual sequence of events. And it takes several years. We consider it to be abnormal if there's pubertal development before the age of eight, but some of that is depends on ethnicity. And then um, it's late if, well, if there's no period by the age of 15, that should certainly be evaluated. Or if there's no pubertal development whatsoever at age, I was always taught age 13, no breast development, nothing at age 13, that, that needs a workup as well. Okay. Um, and some, sometimes it's just, some people are just late bloomers. And, and that's fine, but it does just need an evaluation. Those are the things you look for. Right. And sometimes medical problems can delay puberty, you know, unrelated to whether or not a girl will go through puberty normally. But if she has, um, you know, issues with um, uh, malnutrition, for example, or, um, or chronic illness, that can cause a pubertal delay in some kids. The ASRM would like to invite you to save the dates for the ASRM 2021 Scientific Congress and Expo to be held October 17th through the 20th in Baltimore, Maryland. The 2021 Congress and Expo will kick off with the ASRM President's Gala, followed by three full days of live, in-person plenaries, symposia, interactive sessions, roundtables, and a robust exhibit hall. At the conclusion of the live Congress, on-demand offerings of select sessions will become available through the end of December 2021. Registration opens soon, so look for an email from us in your inbox. I'm speaking today with Dr. Kelly Lynch and Dr. Patricia Bailey-Sarnelli. It's Women's Health Week, and we're talking about issues that young women face. I grew up with two sisters, and I cannot imagine my mother having to talk to them about contraception. <laughs> I still say it even weirdly now, and I'm in my 40s, I'm just like, oh, contraception. What have you found to be some common recommendations that you give parents when it comes time to have the contraception conversation? Well, I think those conversations should start probably in early teenage years, once girls kind of understand, you know, where babies come from, basically. Um, I think having a conversation about your decision to start, I always say your decision to start a family is something that you need to think seriously about. And oftentimes it, it just really depends on the, on the family themselves. Certainly some of it goes within their own cultural norms or own faith norms, things like that. I think for parents, making sure that you understand, you explain to your children, first of all, what you mostly want for them is for them to be safe and for them to be healthy. 
And I think taking it from that standpoint, I think that takes a lot of the stigma out of it. I, I just want you to be healthy. I want you to be safe. I don't want things to happen to you um, that, that would impact that. And I think sometimes that, that attitude can really help. And then there are so many great sources for, for parents to have conversations with kids. Um, Planned Parenthood has several really great videos there are other other resources where, where parents can have these conversations. And, you know, these days it seems like moms are much more likely to bring, at least in my practice, um, to, to, to come in with a, a patient. And I've had it happen often. She'll say she and her boyfriend are thinking about becoming sexually active. And I would like to explore all the options of contraception. And that's great. You can have this really long conversation about it. Um, I've even had parents who... I delivered them when they were teenagers and now they bring in their teenage children and they're like, I don't want her to have a teen pregnancy. And that also can be very, very enlightening. I knew you're able to, to just protect that child. So those are the things I look for. Right. And I always think, you know, I want to be the source of information for my child. I want them to know that they can come to me if they have a question and I'm not going to judge them and I'm not going to criticize them. I really want them to feel comfortable asking me for information because I don't want them to get it from someone who's not going to tell them the right information. So mm-hmm. I, I try with all of my kids to really have an open conversation with them about this topic and say, I'm here when you're ready to talk about it. Hey, let's talk about it. and not, um, I think even if it, it's not something that they want to talk about, I want to make sure that they know that they can talk to me about it because really, you know, we're not going to know when they're going to be ready to talk about contraception, but we certainly have to make sure they know we can be there for them. And we want to make sure they get good information, right? Because unfortunately there's, you know, depending on who they're talking to, they may not get good information. And so it, we really have to make sure that they know they can come to us if they need us. That's that's really what you want is you want your child to be able to talk to you about these things. And they can talk to you at any time. I mean, sometimes being in the car is, you know, you're, you're driving somewhere and all of a sudden they, they will invariably do this at these weird inopportune times, but you know, you're in the car, they don't have to look you in the eye kind of thing. But you can have these conversations and there and it, it brings again the level of, of tension down just to have these matter of fact conversations. You know, either that or the there's something else going on and then it'll this will come up in conversation. And sometimes if you can't get for whatever reason you can't get the conversation right away, it's okay to say, you know what, right now we can't do it, but can we put this on the back burner? Why don't we talk about this later on tonight or something? You don't want to not talk about it. You know, you need to make sure that they understand you are totally available. It's just an inopportune time. So I I think that's also really important. Communication, 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 and finding and finding the moments Mm -hmm. uh, to, to have this. We are almost out of time. Are there any other recommendations that you would like to give parents or providers? There are a lot of good resources out there for parents. Um, As I mentioned earlier, Planned Parenthood has a couple of really great videos. The American American College of OBGYN also has some good um, patient handouts. The North American Society of Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology does too. And then for younger kids, there are several really great books that parents can can buy and read to their children about, you know, that's age appropriate about reproductive health. And um, 
And I think that that also helps get that idea early to children that we can talk about these issues. I'm happy to talk to you about these issues. And I think that's the most important thing. I would also like to say that it's really good for parents to know that they can bring their daughter to the gynecologist and just to meet us and just talk to them about things, especially if they're having trouble having that conversation or if they have questions about their norm, their daughter's periods, are they normal or not? Or the pain that she may or may have with her, may or may not have with her periods, is that normal or not? You know, I think there's an impression that visit to the gynecologist means pap smear means some sort of invasive exam. The current recommendations are to not do that type of exam until age 21. So we're really not doing, you know, we're really just going to be talking and taking a history for the most part with our young patients and really just establishing a rapport with them. And so I think it's important to realize that the gynecologist can be really helpful for your daughter with regard to her periods, if there's questions or concerns, and also the discussion around contraception and it does not have to be, you know, involve something that's potentially very scary, which I think, unfortunately, that's the image that uh, the visit to the gynecologist may have. Right. And I think the other thing that's really helpful is, is for moms to um, not project their own, if they've had an unfortunate gynecologic experience, to not project that onto their kids. One of the things I always start out when I see patients in my office is, I'm probably not going to do any kind of an exam today. Boom. And that immediately you can just see kids relax the minute you say that. It's like, oh, okay, we may just talk. And, um, and I think that's important. But as I said, the other thing that can be really helpful for moms is to, is to remain kind of neutral about the whole thing. Otherwise, they can project these things on, onto their kids that, that just make the whole gynecologic experience scary. And we don't want to do that. I mean, my goal as a pediatric adolescent gynecologist is to, is to make it so that kids will come back to the gynecologist for their entire life to make it a positive experience. That to me is the most important thing about having them come to see me. Right, right. And the best way to get that relationship off to a good start is just to have a good introduction and just get to know your patient and for the patient to get to know us and, you know, and not feel threatened by the thought of an exam that seems uncomfortable. It's really just about helping them through some normal development. Right. And to also just to normalize all of this. You know, right. this isn't weird. This isn't strange. This is natural. This is what our bodies do. And it's so, oh gosh, every, every time I think about adolescence, it's just such a difficult, <laughs> oh. it's just such a, such a heartbreaking time in our development. And, and uh, just, uh, there are no easy answers for it. Okay. Uh, this has been an absolutely wonderful and enlightening talk. And I, I could go on with the both of you for a while, but unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Uh, my guests today were Dr. Kelly Lynch and Dr. Patricia Bailey Sarnelli. Thank you both for being able to be on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed Absolutely. It. And I hope we'll have you back. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. 
These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.